everybody. Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Hello. Hello. I'm chewing on a milk dud. That is not good for recording purposes. In preparation for this episode, I would just like to say there are a lot of really sick people out there. Yeah. So this is a new kind of show that we're doing, and we hope you guys enjoy it. We're going to try to do them regularly. It's like a true crime case files episode. We're going to do some updates of big cases we've talked about before and sort of what's going on with them and also bring new cases to this because we decided that it was funner for us to just talk about what we were reading about instead of, you know, delving into yet another long, boring drudgery of a true crime documentary. It's not to say that we won't be doing those because if you watch a good one or I watch a good one and you say to the other person, hey, Watch this documentary because I think it's got a lot of cool psychology in it. We should talk about it. Then great. But we're going to try to just talk about some things that we think you might be interested in. Shit from the news, man. (laughs) And cases maybe we've talked about in previous episodes that we're just updating you on. Well, that's what I ended up doing. And it sounds like you did too a little bit. I have one update. Yeah. Yeah, Tell us about that. So Lori Vallow, we've done a couple of episodes on this case. Mm -hmm. So she was excused from the death sentence. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I just wanted to give everyone a little snippet of how the the death sentence yeah, process that, works in trial. That'd be great. So penalty cases, the death penalty cases are divided into two separate trials. So in the first trial, the jury weighs the evidence of the crime to determine guilt or innocence. And then if the jury decides that the defendant is guilty, there's a second, tri- uh, second trial, obviously, to determine the sentence. So at the sentencing phase of the trial... Jurors usually have only two options, life in prison without the possibility of parole or a death sentence. During the sentencing trial, juries are asked to weigh aggravating factors or factor otherwise known as factors that go against this decision that could be arguable against this decision. They're they're asked to weigh aggravating factors presented by the prosecution against some of the mitigating factors presented by the defense. So they actually will hire the, the defense will hire someone to come in and build some of these arguments. And so in Lori Vallow's case, there, there was not only like her, her mental state was one. And then also evidence that they, I think what they said was there was evidence that was produced too late that should not be considered. So she will not be getting the death, the death penalty that has been ruled out. So she will be going into this and she could be sentenced now to life, but she will not get the death penalty. Okay. Good to know. Follow along. Yeah. And hopefully these kinds of episodes will allow us to follow along and comment along the way because I'm sure some shit's going to go down. Right. You know, I thought something was interesting. I, I kind of went about this episode and I and I was Googling and looking into news about things we've talked about, right? Like news about things we've done conversations on. And so one of the things that I Googled was Teal Swan because... Oh my gosh. Can I just say before you go into this, no, go how many it. people spoke up after that episode and were just like, I had brought it up to even people in my personal life and like, oh my God, no one has talked about this woman and she's crazy. Like there were a lot, <laughs> that episode really, I think triggered a lot of people, even people who knew of her before we did it. Mm-hmm. That feels so long ago, but I haven't heard that name in so long. I know me neither. And and I had a similar experience where um, listeners were reaching out sort of saying like, you know, I had a feeling about that one yeah. kind of thing because it's really just a person among us right now. Mm-hmm. It's not that she's 
she hasn't done anything violent and she may never do it. You know, it's not one of those things where you're like looking at a cult leader who has massacred people. She hasn't done anything like that. Mm -hmm. Here's the interesting thing is that I don't have much to say except this. When you Google the name Teal Swan and you do like the news on Google, there's one article from January that's kind of just a puff piece talking about how she's a leader in the field of personal development. And then the articles go back to like December, November, last July, like all about her, you know, when the documentary came out and then kind of like net worth and stuff like that. But between January and now, nothing. Right. And I'm like, it's because of our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, what I mean is like, no one is writing about her. I know. It's I weird, don't believe right? it. There's a part of me that's like, what? What, what? what are you imagining? What is what is happening? Like, where's the, we're just not going to talk about her. And then, okay, so she, maybe she's not giving interviews anymore. Maybe. Maybe. What, she went into hiding. No one's, you know, she's not granting interviews. She's not confirming information. So journalists can't do their job, whatever it is, you know, but like no one gives a shit anymore. That's actually not good <laughs> in my in my humble opinion going no. going underground is not not super. So anyway, I just want to share that that's that, really interesting. There's no update except there's no update, which is interesting. Wow. But again, she hasn't done anything criminal that I know of, no. so it's yeah. not like it would be in quote unquote true crime news. It's not really that kind of a story. It's more about psychology. So. Yeah, for sure. I just thought that well, was interesting. It, it could be true crime if she's doing something stupid. Yeah, I don't know. We don't know. How would we know? How would we know? No one cares. So I have a bunch of other updates I wanted to share with you. You want to hear some, yeah, some share things? With, yes, yes, please. We talked about Alex Murdaugh. Right? We did. So he's been moved to protect into protective custody into like an 8 by 10 unit in South Carolina now. Uh, as we know, he was convicted, sentenced to life in prison for the 2021 murders of his wife, Maggie, and his son, Paul, and denies, denied any involvement. And even during sentencing, his only comment was, I didn't do it. So he's denied it and still denies it as far as we know. He was sent to a South Carolina maximum security prison, but they don't tell you where or which for his protection. Mm -hmm. And now he's been moved to a statewide protective custody unit because of his high profile situation, which I I understand. Uh, He's in a unit with 28 other inmates, which includes former law enforcement and correction officers. And it just has like an extra layer of security. And it's separated from the general population. Essentially, it's a security measure to keep him safe from other inmates. You guys may know, like, Dahmer was beaten to death by a fellow inmate. That's right. The mob gangster, Whitey Bulger, was beaten to death by fellow inmates actually just last year. There's another one. There's a pedophile named John, uh, I think it's Gauguin or Gogan, who molested hundreds of minors uh, as a Catholic priest. mm and was killed by another inmate in 2003 while he was actually in protective custody. So it's not that this will protect Alex entirely, but the review board made the decision to move him. So, okay. There's that. I watched the end of his, I watched his sentencing 
oh, what what did you think? I mean, it was the judge belabored it. I mean, I think he spoke (laughs) for like thirty minutes before the sentencing. Actually, he gives him this whole speech. He really did. It was it was really. I'm like, get to it. He gave him this um, whole speech about how like you're the your wife and son are gonna haunt you and all this shit. Uh, judges are so narcissistic. It's like no one's listening. Just get to the sentence. Like no one cares about your moral. You know, like, I think they're judge- trained to give a speech. I at think that they point. like hearing themselves talk. Um, <laughs> they all do it, so they I'm, must be told yeah, like maybe. this is when you actually get to say your mind because the whole time they don't get to say what they want to say, right? No, I mean it was an appropriate sentencing, but you could tell that he was like visibly shaking, crying. I think because of his narcissism, he really expected that his, I think he believed his testimony went really well. I think he felt that he gave something to help the jury. You and I had talked about during our episode how it's very rare and really not typically a good strategy to have the defendant testify. And he testified for hours. Yeah. Um, and I think that that really made his situation worse. I know, and he didn't feel that way, right, is what you're kind no, of saying. No, he believed he that would... he had something to contribute that was going to sway the jury. And that he had. Mm-hmm. And his people were probably telling him that, too. I yes. mean, I don't know, yeah. but they probably Probably. Were. Who knows? Mm-hmm. So we've done episodes on on both Murdaugh and Teal Swan and Lori Vallow, so check those out in more detail. But also, I know you've talked about, we did an episode on Elizabeth Holmes as well. Oh, yes, we did. So she returned to court in a bid to avoid prison. Because, you know, can't, she's very wily. <laughs> so this is disgraced Theranos CEO, Elizabeth Holmes. Every time you say Theranos, I think of Amanda Seyfried just going, Theranos. <laughs> like when she played, she played her so well. It's such a good, Theranos. it's such a good show. She did really well. Yeah, we incorporated that into our episode too. That was, that was pretty funny. <laughs> she was really good in that, honestly. Elizabeth had her final court appearance before beginning an 11 year prison sentence, but she was there to try to get the judge to grant her request to remain free while her lawyers appeal her conviction. In other words, she's trying not to go to jail. She's saying, oh, I get to be free while I appeal, right? (laughs) It doesn't matter, right? Uh, So there was a 90-minute hearing came four months after Holmes' last court hearing. That was when U.S. District Judge Edward Davila sentenced her for duping investors in Theranos, a startup she founded 20 years ago. And there was this whole blood testing hoax, blood testing technology hoax. That, oh God, that, that whole story still seems so surreal to me. It does, right? Mm-hmm. And that, you know, we're still, and, and she's still trying to, you know, she just had a second kid, which of course everybody was like, she got pregnant so that she could stay out of jail That's and right. have an argument because she's so narcissistic. She couldn't possibly want to have a baby, <laughs> this kind of thing. Yeah. But before the hearing started, uh, There was some guy in the courtroom, I guess, that tried to approach her with a document or whatever and was shushed away. You know, there's a lot of security around her is my point. Oh, sure. But the proceedings ended without a determination, actually. So she's trying to stay free and they didn't make a decision in the courtroom. You know how sometimes a judge will say, like, I'm going to take this under consideration, get back to you. Uh So I guess that's what happened. Um, She wants to stay out of prison and she doesn't want to be like, she doesn't want to have to surrender herself. She doesn't want to have to go to jail <laughs> while, while she appeals. Like I've never heard anything so crazy. Like I get that a lot of people stay out of prison, but like once you're sentenced, right? 
Like, get you, your shit together you go. and go to prison. Yeah, you gotta go. She's actually been able to stay out of prison after she's been sentenced. But she's like the queen of, like, persuasion. I mean, this is how she has thrived. It's it's Theranos. It's magnificent to me. Like, 12 counts of fraud and conspiracy, and I get that those aren't physically violent crimes, so she might not be a threat to anyone physically, but... You get sentenced and then you go to prison. You don't get to go like, oh, well, but I'm appealing. I'd like to use my bathroom at home <laughs> if I could just spend another week there. Right. And the, then the, they're sort of saying like, well, her defense team is saying like, well, we think the record is teeming with issues. Like we think that the the case is teeming with issues. And, and But then, of course, the federal prosecutors are saying there's no likelihood of this getting reversed. Like, it's a conviction. It's happening. What are, what is happening right now? I just, I don't understand. I don't understand how she gets to just walk around and, and I'm of course not a lawyer. So I I guess it makes sense, but I guess that's been the enigma. I mean, it's like the whole time people have said like, how has she been able to just fall Mm -hmm. between the cracks for everything? If you go back to the beginning of her story, all the way now to being able to be like, no, I just think it's better that I'm home. And the court's like, okay, that's fine. That sounds good. Little lady. You go around, you go about your business, little white lady, you do your thing. I don't know if I, if this wasn't a example of privilege, I don't know what is exactly for fuck's sake. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Those are my thoughts on that, goddammit. You have a case you wanted to talk about, right? Sure, I can I can talk about okay. one of mine. Okay. It's uh, a dentist murder. You're going to keep going, murder. murder. Theranos. Theranos. <laughs> <laughs> so this is... Um, Speaking of murder, let's laugh about it. This, okay. is, this is recent. This was in the news recently. So this woman by the name of Karen Kane, I think she's an orthodontist, is at the center of of a Colorado dentist murder case. Okay. We already know, and, and there's reasons why there's horror movies made around dentists, like uh-huh. the dentists. Yeah, of because course. there is this trope that dentists are evil. <laughs> yeah, I like my dentist personally, but I just think this is this is why I chose it because it's such a horror trope. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So Karen Kane is at the center of a Colorado dentist murder case as she was having an affair with James Craig. The father of six children, by the way, oh, who has just been accused of murdering his wife. So Craig had multiple affairs with several women and told his wife that he had been addicted to pornography since he was a teenager, according to his arrest warrant. Alrighty. So Craig is 45. Dr. Craig is 45 from Aurora, Colorado. Mm. He's being held on suspicion of murdering his wife of 24 years, oh, no. Angela, mm. by poisoning her. Investigators claim he mixed potassium cyanide in her protein drinks. Clearly, this man has never watched forensic files. Clearly, because you know better. If you watch any of these shows, you know you're not going to get away with that. So at Angela... Was, <laughs> Kathy loves forensic was, files. I do. I fall asleep to it. Um, my partner's like, can we maybe watch something funny? I'm like, no, but I need to know if... She's the- like, I would like to not have <laughs> dreams about murdered women in my sleep. Thank you. <laughs> She's like, how about like Melissa McCarthy? Okay, so... <laughs> you're going to have to yeah. just like, yeah, middle yeah. road over middle there, road. Kathy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Angela, 43, first started feeling sick on March 6th. By March 15th, she was in the the hospital for the third time, complaining of headaches and nausea. 
quickly suffering a seizure. She was taken off life support on March 18th. So this mm. is a very recent case. Yeah. So Kane, going back to the, the orthodontist, her name was included in two places in the court documents filed in Craig's case in Colorado, although other times her name was redacted. So mm. one was on an image of a Southwest plane coming from Austin to Denver that included the name Karen Kathleen Kane. She was due to fly out March 8th and return two days later. Mm. So what they were trying to figure out was how is she connected to this dude? Okay. Okay. And then the other time she was at the bottom of a March 16th email and included her professional qualifications and work address. So in the email to her alleged lover, Dr. Craig, she wrote, hi, honey, I'm so sorry for what has transpired this week in your world. I am sorry. I am not part of your world to be of more help to you and insisted I am pulling you away. This is so hard, she continued. I want to be and do whatever I can to support and encourage you, and I don't want to add to what has become an incredibly difficult time. I can't imagine what it is doing to you to walk your kids through this. I do want to give you any comfort I can, but I do not feel it's right for me to mix in with all those gatherings to mourn Angela either. And I do not want to meet your family as a friend and try to conceal what I feel for you. I am praying for you and seeking God's wisdom for this time. And then she signed off with, I love you. So clearly this woman had no idea that he killed his wife. No. So there's no suggestion that Kane had any idea that Craig's alleged twisted scheme to poison his wife after she fell ill. So she's not to be under any investigation for this. Where I think this is really a tragedy, the whole situation is a tragedy, but for her, it's like you went ahead and cheated on your husband with a murderer. Like you get to play that card once. Uh, Yeah. Right? Like if you cheat and you say, okay, I'm in love with this person. Right. That's a big deal to move on from like your partner and their family. And she chose this dude. Talk about she's now has to look at her life, what she gave up. She has kids of her own. The guilt. That's awful. Right. So in Marble Falls, residents discuss news of the relationship between Craig and Kane and in disbelief, describing her as a loving parent and model citizen who had sent her kids to an elite Christian private school. I love how that means she's a good person. (laughs) Yeah. And generously donated money to multiple charities as uh, sociopaths do that as well. Not suggesting she is. No, but (laughs) the, the idea here is that this is a guy that over a period of years was able to cheat and, and go behind his wife's back and has a family of six children. And then when he was done with her, he just took her out. He just poisoned her again. These are the, these cases that don't make them, they're, they're not very big, but it shows us like how many of these are going on nationwide on like daily. It's just constant. It's constant. Like just leave the marriage. Yeah. You're a doctor, like you've got your own, and she's, you know, I mean, so you might have to pay some spousal support. Yeah. Get what? She was obviously connected to her person or something. I mean, I don't know why she didn't. That's awful. I don't know. So I just don't understand why he didn't leave his wife and go be with Karen. Right. Like why, why do that? I'm always intrigued by it. It has well, to be that's more. the thing. That's the interesting yeah. thing, right? Is like, there's obviously more of a, a psychological payoff to do to get the rid thing of her. he was doing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And to maybe make it just look like hey, it's easier to just get rid of her altogether. Because if I stay with this other woman and she's still, excuse me, still around, then I have to deal with the headache of that and then custody dispute. In his mind, this was the quickest way for that all to be over and he'd probably be able to be with her. 
Yeah, and I think there's some avoidance of her, of 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 hurting the person. I don't mean out of a loving. Oh, sure, spot. sure, 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 sure. I just mean mm-hmm. out of a like I don't want to take the wrath of. Uh, the, I don't want to explain she, myself. What she's gonna do to me, and I don't want to see her cry and scream and yell at me. And did it like there's something about like oh I'm gonna get out of like I just don't even want to have the conversation. Well, and also to add to that, then he can he can pretend when he met Bane true, or Kane, excuse me. And he can say he met her well after his wife died. True. So it makes him look like he never he cheated on her. Else, yeah. You know, so fucked up. <laughs> it's fucked up. All right. I have a couple more updates and then we'll, we'll get out of here. A couple things I wanted to mention that there is a new true crime series, uh docu series that is coming to Netflix. I wanted to mention this to you to see if you were interested. It's called I Was a Bridesmaid. The show is from the people that brought you Keep Sweet. Oh. Wild Wild Country. Ooh. And the next, the NXIVM documentary. <laughs> Nexium. I Was a Bridesmaid. Yeah. So let me, let me talk about it while you look it up for yourself. So it's a harrowing new cult story. The trailer begins with commentary from former bridesmaids Sarah, Brittany, and Naomi, who open up about traumatic experiences associated with the wedding of a character played by Chloe Feynman. It all started with a box on my doorstep and a note with a question. I just got this feeling that it wasn't the kind of question you could say no to, adds Naomi. The question, of course, as others included, including Riley and Vanessa, also recall was, will you be my bridesmaid? So this documentary expert, Dr. Greg Lawrence of the Department of Cult Studies at UCLA. Can you believe there's a Department of Cult Studies? That's Yes, I can. Where have I been? Where I was have they say, been that all my life? Really cool. <laughs> What's a university? UCLA. Oh, oh. my then, rival. I know. Then appears to note that each year, more than six million women fall into this kind of cult. They prey on vulnerable groups like college roommates and sisters-in-law. They sell you on the big day. I thought it was a one-day commitment, but for eighteen months, I was finally sucked in. <laughs> SNL. I was going to say, it looks like they've done some spoofs. Keep in mind, SNL. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Also, Ted Bundy. There was something I, you know, he just, he never goes away. So Ted Bundy's ex-girlfriend recalls horrifying encounter with the serial killer. He just laughed. I, I found an article on Fox News, actually, that one of Ted Bundy's former girlfriends, this is like a recent article, uh, could vividly recall the moment she witnessed an evil streak in her lover's eyes. There's a new... Yes. Oh, again? New true crime docuseries premiering April 2nd on Oxygen, ladies and gentlemen. Violent Minds, Killers on Tape, which explores the unearthed recordings of Dr. Al Carlisle. The renowned psychologist interviewed numerous criminals like Bundy. They've done a lot on him too, though. As well as the hi-fi killers. Arthur, Gary Bishop, and Manny Cortez, among others. The devout Mormon was on a quest to learn how one becomes a monster. So there's another new series that we may or may not watch. (laughs) Depends. I might might throw it on. I don't know. All right. Well, should we watch this bridesmaid one? Yeah. I think we should. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) I only briefly entered that cult. 
Yeah. <laughs> Only briefly. I got swindled a couple of times oh, in my 20s. And then I just started associating with people who didn't want to get married. Yeah. No, it is. It, it, <laughs> so that I didn't ever It's going to be interesting that. because if you are a female, yeah. um, you've, you have had periods in your life where this becomes... Yeah, I imagine a lot of our listeners, because we have a very heavy female listenership, of course, I imagine that they go like, yeah, been there, done that. I also wanted to mention that, you know, the Idaho state murders. Mm -hmm. Here's what we know now. It's been nearly four months since these four University of Idaho students were killed in a Moscow home. Uh, Information surrounding the case continues to trickle out to the public, honestly. So Brian Koberger, 28, as a recap, faces four counts of first-degree murder and one count of burglary in the November stabbing deaths of University of Idaho students Kaylee Goncalves, Madison Mogan, Zana Kernodal, and Ethan Chapin. Koberger remains in Lata, Lata County Jail as he awaits his June preliminary hearing. So we won't have big news probably until June. But while the court officials and law enforcement are obviously remaining very quiet because there's a court-imposed non-dissemination order or what we call a gag order in place, you know, there are things that are trickling out. So this past week, recently unsealed documents describe what items police seized following the December 30th arrest. So we've got that list of documents. They recovered three knives, including one described as a Smith & Wesson pocket knife and another listed as a Taylor cutlery knife with a leather sheath. The other knife did not have a description. So the four victims were found stabbed to death, but it is unclear if like these, they obviously just took the knives to test them, right? Right. To see if they were the thing. The Idaho State Lab later found a single source of male DNA on a button snap of the knife sheath. So there's some things kind of trickling in. They also took multiple dark clothing items, black masks. So these are things they actually found in his his home to test them, obviously, because the Moscow police had said that the witnesses had said a figure clad in black clothing and a mask that covers a mouth was, was what he was wearing. So they're obviously going to test those things. Other items found in the search were his uh, cell phone, a laptop, a 40 caliber Glock along with empty 40 caliber magazines. So he had a gun or somebody had a gun in the home. They've never indicated that the gun was used in any way, but I guess we'll see. Mm-hmm. All of these items were found. The evidence also includes like a black glove and they have evidence of like hair strands, some hair from an animal. They have receipts from places he might have bought things like Walmart and Marshall's. They have like a the dust container from a vacuum computer tower that I guess has a a red spot on it or something like that. Okay. Cuttings from pillowcases that have reddish brown stains. They have some things from the crime scene that have stains on them and stuff. So I imagine they're going to try to match them, obviously. According to a February 10th New York Times article, the faculty members held meetings with Coburg like right before and after the murders regarding his behavior while he studied in the Department of Criminal Justice. Some of that is coming to light as well, like some of the things that were said in those meetings. So they're just coming up with a lot of that. And then the court case obviously continues, but there's a lot of different things 
as that community is trying to heal, there's a lot of things like coming to light slowly, but sure. again, there's a gag order. So mm-hmm. there are things that are kind of coming out, like journalists are still trying to do their job, but yeah, we, we will wait till June, I guess, for that. As okay. we do these episodes and have these discussions more often, we'll be able to start to keep up with the different yeah, cases. Yeah, his case, and there'll probably be a lot of news within the next like four months on him. I have a feeling, so it'll yeah. be one of the thing, one of the many things. And uh, Valo too. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So, to, those two things will be things that we're we're going to continue to track in these uh, catch up episodes and case files. I thought the case that you brought today was really indicative of so many things. Yeah, that we see. Yep. And I think there'll be a lot of those like, oh, look, here's a case that's representative of 50 million cases right. we see all the time. So, yep. All right. Thank you so much for listening. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.